You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, the canine superhero to the environment and admirer of animal advocates everywhere. Max and I thank you for being with us today. We dedicate this episode and every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, and wild animals. And there's no doubt about it, today's guest has certainly worked to save and improve the lives of companion and domestic animals. For over 40 years, he's worked up to 14 hours a day. He's a veterinarian whose practice is among family farms in rural Michigan. Plus, he's the subject of the hottest show on that geo wild, the incredible Dr. Paul. When we return after these messages, Dr. Paul will share with us why he partnered with Good Bones Company in raising awareness about spay-neuter, some of his interesting background, and more. But first, let's hear from those great folks that make Max A. Pooch awesome animal advocates possible. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. But, but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, and welcome to the incredible Dr. Paul, one of Max A. Pooch's favorite animal advocates and star of the unique and popular, the incredible Dr. Paul. Thank you for being with us today, Doctor. And thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you being here because when I was a kid, I visited my grandparents and aunts and uncles in Nebraska each summer. Some of them were still family farmers, and I remember the hard work and dedication it took to care for livestock and the respect for the animals that was shown. As a city kid from Albany, New York, I learned there was a direct connection between that steak or chicken leg or ham and eggs on my plate and a living, breathing animal. 
Today, I think that respect is lost with the advent of the factory farms and how meat is delivered to consumers in modern-day supermarkets. Family farms are fast disappearing, and seeing you practice your profession reminds me of a time when animals on farms were living beings, not production animals. How many family farms, are they disappearing in your area? Yes, they are. When I started it 30 years ago, I was 80% dairy, and we had two or three farms in every mile. And now all those family farms have disappeared, and what is left is actually a lot bigger than what they used to be. That seems to be the trend. I remember I took my kids out to Nebraska to uh, see the farms, and they saw grain farms and didn't see an animal. They s could see more animals in the suburbs of Chicago. It seems like that, yes. <laughs> Um, what we see now is that, you know, the, the labor on the farm is so intensive that we cannot get enough people to work on the farms. So we get these bigger farms that hire a lot of uh, people that work part-time and basically, you know, are not attached to the animals as much as the family farm was. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And um, now one of the reasons we wanted you on today is you were partnering with Give Bones, which is a company started by Tracy Andrews, who's uh, committed to giving homeless dogs a life they deserve. And you were working with her last month to uh, encourage responsible pet ownership techniques such as spay and neuter of cats and dogs. Definitely, yes. I understood that you know, she was uh, really you know, pushing for you know, good homes for animals, which is, uh, for me, very important. And, yes, not to have all these animals homeless because people all think that this puppy is so beautiful and nice and then it grows up into a dog and, well, then it's not much fun anymore because now you have to take care of it. And I think this is why we have so many homeless animals that people just, yeah, in our day, it's a throwaway society and we think sometimes animals are part of that throwaway complex and it definitely is not. Every animal is a living, thinking, breathing creature that needs attention. That's certainly right. I mean, Max A. Pooch was a throwaway dog, and uh, if things had been a little different, he would have ended up being put down and thrown on the garbage heap. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about spay and neuter? I mean, that's not only a problem in rural areas, but in uh, urban areas, too. It's a problem all over the place. You know, Mount Pleasant is not a big town, really. Uh, it's the biggest town in the area, of course, but we have uh, an organization here called HAT, the Humane Animal Treatment Society, and we work very closely with them, just trying to make people aware that, you know, just having litter after litter is not what we are looking for. Pets are pets. That means they are companions. There are some people that you know, breed dogs because they want to, and that's fine. I have nothing against it. But all this indiscriminate breeding from unregistered mixed breeds, it causes a lot of heartaches for the people that try to give pets a good home because there are so many of them. And Hats here is really pushing paying and neutering, and we're helping them with them. Well, that's great. That's great. And, and if uh, everyone in, in our audience would just tell one person they know to pass the word, I think that you would agree, Dr. Paul, that uh, there could be a lot better situation as far as unwanted dogs and cats are concerned. I definitely agree. Uh, like with hats, you know, if you want a pet, make it a pet. If you spay and neuter a dog, a male or a female, they are healthier. They many times do not have all the problems that come with 
all the puppies, they're going to have the hormone that is left behind in older females. Many causes infection in the uterus. Uh, the male hormone can cause the prostate cancer. And when these dogs are neutered, you don't have these problems. You have a pet. And what I say many times to people that come to us, if you want a pet, take the S out. Don't have a pest, but have a pet. <laughs> that's pretty good. Take the S out of the pest and have a pet instead of a pest. That's, right. that's great. Hey, I want to ask you a question. As you were working 30 years as a veterinarian, did you ever imagine you'd have a TV series on that Geo Wild? No, I never thought that would ever happen. But my son, you know, he started the whole thing here. And uh, the comments I have from people, and this is now from all over the world, because we have people comment us on Facebook from all over the world. Yes, they, they see a part of life that most people do not see anymore. But we do surgeries. You know, when you bring an animal in to have them neutered, Yes, he goes through the door, and they have no idea what's going on in the operating room. So, yes, they see a little bit of that. But especially, you know, when you go out on the large animal calls, because half a percent of the people in the United States are on the farm, are on dairy farms. And so 99.5% have no idea what it is looking like over there. And this is why I think it is so interesting for all these people to see what rural America still looks like. Like I said before, it really brings back when I spent the summers on a family farm. And uh, there's such a disconnect now. You know, the the food, the meat is in sanitary little white yep. trays with a uh, wrap on it. And there's no correlation between an animal and a product. Right. And, you know, that is. And, yes, to me, the animals are brought on this, on this earth for us to take care of. But it's also that it is, you know, for us as food. And that doesn't mean that we have to mistreat these animals and all that stuff. But, yes, they are for us to use. But that doesn't mean that we can misuse the animals. And, and this is what is so important. And when people see, then, you know, through this show, how the animals are cared for, and what I always say, you know, that, you know, farmers that we, my clients anyway, do not mistreat animals. If you mistreat these animals on the dairy farm, they don't produce milk. And so you just, you know, cut off your own income, and that's not what they do. Yes, not every cow is a pet, because that's impossible if you have 500 cows. But the farmer that has 500 cows knows most of the time all the cows, not by number, but by individual. Wow, that's something that I think is lost on people. Hey, you know a lot about dairy farming. I guess uh, you grew up on a dairy farm in the Netherlands. Is that right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And uh, what was that like? I was the youngest. That, well, I was born in the Second World War, so that tells you a little bit how old I am. And I was the youngest of six kids. And uh, my father had a dairy farm, and they were all registered animals. And by the time the farm was sold, my father died of cancer in 64, and we had like about 36 milk cows. And uh, they were all registered. And at that time, some of the people that were there wanted these genes to start their own dairy farm. And some of the cows were really sold for high dollars at that time, amazingly. In fact, my father had tears in the eyes when some of the best cows sold for that high an amount. And uh, yes, I know I grew up with every animal. You know, my mother was one of those that would like to have 
all kinds of animals. We had, of course, dogs, cats, geese, turkeys, chickens, pigs, lambs, sheep. The only thing we didn't have goats, it seems like, but horses and cows, all these animals we had on the farm, and I grew up with all of them. Yeah, that had to be quite an experience, because I recall going to my cousin's farm, and they had horses, and we'd go riding, and, you know, we'd have to, it seems cruel to people today, but if you wanted a chicken, you went to the chicken yard, and you found a chicken, and uh, later that uh, guy was, or gal was a, um, guy probably, was a, uh, was dinner, and, yeah. uh, but really respected animals because of that. What brought you to the United States, Dr. Paul? Well, because I was the youngest in the Netherlands, and I wanted to, you know, be, either be a dairy farmer and be the youngest. There was no chance, because the Netherlands is so crowded, that I would be able to farm over there. And uh, when I was 12 years old, the local veterinarian picked me up to help deliver piglets at my brother. He had some gills that he bought that were pregnant when they were not supposed to be yet, and they were actually too small to have the little ones. So here I, I'm a 12-year-old, tall, skinny kid, and he made me go all the way into these sows, those little gills up to my shoulders, trying to get the little pigs out. And first time I ever did that, I'd help with some calvings, but you know, my brothers were doing all the hard work, and I was just helping to pull the calf out. So this was the first for me, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic to get those little screaming little piglets out and from that on, I wanted to become a veterinarian. And then when I went to college, the first time they told us, uh, you want to become a veterinarian, that's fine. But if you want to practice, forget it, because there are too many already. And by that time, I'd been an exchange student here in Michigan, because my sister had moved to Canada, and I wanted to see what this side of the ocean looked like. And I thought, okay, make me a veterinarian. And I'll just leave and go wherever I want to. But I ended up back in Michigan. Wow. Well, what a gain for Michigan. We need to break for commercials right now. But I want to make sure our audience stays with us when we return. I want to ask Dr. Paul about some complaints about his stall side manner. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain, fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, I'm Keith Sanderson, welcoming you back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and the incredible Dr. Paul. And I was just going to ask Dr. Paul about his stall side manner. I read that you did and have received some criticism when people see on the program the way you care for and your professional stature. They still criticize you as maybe perhaps unacceptable practices within the veterinary medical community. How is a vet who has practiced for more than 40 years and has more than 19,000 clients, how do you respond to that? If I would do something wrong, we wouldn't have had that many people. And we are still getting new clients through the door. Yes, they call me old school. And of course, I am old school. What we learned when I was in college was what a healthy animal looks like. And when they bring an animal to me that is sick, then we know what the difference is between a healthy and a sick animal. So we make a tentative diagnosis and confirm that with tests. And I think the new school is, uh, what you see in the human medicine too, is run all these tests and then try to see if you can come up with a diagnosis. So yes, it's basically for me the, the wrong way around. I try to find out what the sick animal or why the animal is sick and then confirm that with the test that I want to run. So I'm very selective in what tests I'm running and yes, that is different than many people do it, but that's the way I do it. And when I hear the people talking to me, that's what they want and that's what they're looking for. That's what they're used to and it almost seems like you practice by knowing the animal rather than just one of hundreds or thousands of animals on a farm. Would that be a good analogy? Yes, I would say so. You know, like I said, you know, if you know what a healthy animal looks like, then you can see the difference between a sick and a healthy and you can find out already by examination what is probably the diagnosis and that's the main thing. Michigan is still, you know, a financially depressed area here, and many people cannot afford to run all these tests. So, you know, you just do the best to help them. This is you know, the best for the animal, and this is the best for the people. And I think this is why we are so busy in our practice and why we have all these new clients coming through the door. That's great. You know, uh, again, talking about family farms, what's your view of factory farming techniques as far as the treatment of the animals in factory farms is concerned? And the resulting food that people eat. Okay, factory farms, the biggest thing now is actually with the, in the pig and the chicken industry. It is not at all, no. They don't mistreat animals. The individual animal is not there anymore. And what I have said many times is the bigger the farm, the less as a veterinarian we do. It all depends on what kind of herdsman they have. And on most of these farms, they have a couple people that know their cows very well and then they know what cow is sick but 
the work they do on these big farms is so specialized. There are people that just no cows. There are people that just feed. They don't do anything else. So what you need, and most people of these big farmers have that, is a couple of guys that can walk through the herd and see if there's a sick animal. And these herdsmen many times have enough education that they can treat their own. And this is why we are not called out to these big farms that much anymore, because they have herdsmen that can do it themselves. That's interesting. That's interesting. Hey, on a personal note, I read that you and Mrs. Pohl like Great Danes, and you've had them ever since you were married. What do you like about Great Danes? Oh, the Great Dane is such a regal breed. They are huge dogs, and they are so aristocratic, you could call it almost. In fact, we just, Charles and I, now Charles actually got a new pup, except you know, me most likely after they help take care of it too. Uh, we've had Danes 40 some years. We've had many Danes that are rescues too. Dane puppies are so cute, they are so clumsy. Yeah, and then they grow up to be a 120 pound dog and that's too much for many people. So yes, the last, I think, six Danes that we had were all rescues. And this is another thing, Keith. It seems like that when an animal is thrown away, like I said, you know, this is a throwaway society by some people. And then this animal goes to a second home. He realizes sometimes that he is safe. And I had so many people tell me, yes, I got this dog at the dog pound. Best dog I ever had. It happens all the time. You know, I look at the people and I say, how come that the first owners got rid of this one? I don't understand. And it has been the same with the Danes that we got through the rescue. They are fantastic animals. I have to agree with you about that. I mean, Max A. Pooch, is, uh, he was a registered, purebred Labrador retriever, and his owners relinquished him at six months of age. And he had had no training. And I think what they did is he bought this cute, roly-poly little puppy at about exactly. six to eight weeks. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's a robust adolescent lab with lots of energy. Yeah. And yeah. he's the greatest dog I've ever had. I mean, he's also billed as the um, canine uh, superhero to the environment. And uh, we go around, he displays what uh, great dogs come from rescue by picking up stuff that people throw away and he puts them in a trash can. And <laughs> so the, so that's his whole thing. And that's our deal, that we waste too much. Yes, yes. And like I said, animals are live beings. They cannot be thrown away. The most pathetic thing I see see, and I've seen it many times, is either these kittens sitting by the side of the road, or I've seen a puppy by the side of the highway, just sitting there waiting for the owners to come back and just being completely lost. Animals need shelter first. They need everything to be the same. So once they are taken out of their familiar environment, they become panicky. And the next thing they need is food and love. And when you see these dogs that they just toss out of the car and speed away, this dog is sitting by the side and says, what happened to me? And when somebody picks them up, I really think that they know they're safe. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that as a veterinarian because, you know, a lot of us who have rescue dogs, we say that. And then the experts say, well, they're only a dog. How can they have gratitude? And, uh, but, now, uh, you know, I, I am right on with you as far as that is concerned, yes. doctor. And this is why I push 
to have your dog neutered so we don't get the accidental breedings. And you see so many times where, you know, this guy has a hunting dog or even a nice lab. Oh, she's such a good dog. My buddy wants a pup. That's fine. But a dog that's a, this, you know, Labrador Retriever many times has 10 pups. So, yes, your buddy wants one pup. What are you going to do with the other nine? Exactly. Hey, uh, you know, speaking of that, uh, friends of mine who are involved with animal rescue organizations tell me that when warm weather comes, they call it kitten season because of so many kittens they get that are unwanted or found. Uh, do you find that happening uh, yes. in Michigan? Yes. You know, cats are seasonal breeders, so when it gets warm, then you know, they start breeding. And yeah, males or females, they find each other. It's nature. You know, so if you say, well, you know, I'll, I'll make sure they don't get bred, it is very hard to control that. The only best way to control it is by spaying and neutering. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's such an easy thing to do and uh, so good for the animals, so good for the stopping animals, and more people just need to do it. I mean, uh, our thing uh, with Max is we talk about the fact that up to 5,500 dogs a day are, are put down for no other sin that they don't have a home. And to me, that Correct. is just so sad. It is completely sad. Yeah, it, it is better not to be bored than to be put down, believe me. Yeah, yeah, and then on top of it, they're just throwing like trash in landfills. It's just beyond me how we, we as a society can put up with that. Correct. I do ask each of my guests this question, and um, it's a question that critics will sometimes ask, and they'll say, how come with so much human misery in the world, why spend resources, money, and time advocating animals? How do you as a veterinarian answer this question, Dr. Paul? I believe that every kid should have a pet because I've seen so many children grow up without pets that they have no idea what will hurt other creatures. When small children have a cat or a dog, that animal will teach them that certain actions hurt them and teach the kid in no uncertain terms, not by really hurting, but just by showing him, hey, don't do this, it hurts. And this is something that many parents don't realize how well a pet trains a kid. Now, that sounds strange, but I really believe so. There's an organization in Chicago named Safe Humane Chicago, and what they do is they work with, it's a teach-to-teacher kind of thing, they work with high school seniors and teach them about being good pet owners, and then these seniors yeah. go into inner-urban schools with middle school kids. And then in that, that area, the kids have probably only seen fighting dogs or torture of dogs. And they teach yeah. these kids just what you're saying, that these yeah. are live beings. And, uh, yeah. say, and uh, Cynthia Bathurst, uh, the head of this group, believes that you know, teaching these kids to be sensitive to animals yeah. helps reduce if, if interpersonal violence. Yes, that's exactly right. If you're sensitive to the animal, that will then transplant itself also to be sensitive to other humans. So many animals are used to bring you know, autistic children back into the world. Uh, look at the people that take their dogs into old people's homes. Animals bring the best out in people most of the time, and I think that's what we're forgetting. 
that is great. I mean, so short, so simple. Animals bring the best out in people. I can't think of a better reason why to uh, advocate for animals than that. Can you? No, exactly right. Fantastic. Are there any, um, you know, as far as spay and neutering, uh, do you want to mention uh, Good Bones website or any other websites that can help people find out more information on why they should spay and neuter animals? There is many around. Uh, I've worked with uh, Wolf of Mama and others too. You can Google it. There is many websites that will tell you, you know, where to go and how to do it and what is the best. And most of the time, they will tell you that, yes, if you want healthy pets, neuter them. We work in here with hats, where the hats is helping people that can afford, that cannot afford to have the animals neutered. And they bring them to our clinic, and we do it for quite a reduced rate just to help the animal out, basically. Because it's not healthy for animals to have litter after litter either. So, yes, we work all together with many organizations trying to give a healthy pet population instead of an overpopulation. Well, that's great. And I do want to suggest to uh, those of my audience who have never seen your show, they ought to take a look or give them a good idea, particularly if they're city folks, just what it's like to be on a farm or work with farm animals and the danger. I, and people think horses are domestic and cows are domestic and pretty safe to be around. But uh, when you're on the wrong end of a cow probing somewhere, uh, I've seen that uh, you really uh, risk a lot each time you work with one of your uh, clients' animals. Yes, you have to, you know, even the tamest horse can still get spooked. And when it spooks and it runs over you, it still is 10 times as big as what we are, and they hurt. And in one of the last episodes from Ned Geo Wild, Charles got bunted in the head by a Angus steer. And uh, you can tell that uh, the steer didn't feel anything, but Charles sure did. So, yes, you have to be very careful. Yeah, Charles is uh, your son. I should mention that for those who don't watch yeah. it. And I did see that particular show. And I was, re you, you know, he really got bopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And so no, it's a show on Net Geo Wild. Uh, it starts uh, seven days at nine o'clock. That's the new show. Many times at eight o'clock, they have uh, a previous show that they run. And uh, yes, the people that uh, talk to us, they, they love it because it is completely different from any other show. Because uh, when we pull a calf, uh, there is no retakes. It is, you mean you can't you, shove it back in there? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Wow, wow. Well, we want to thank you, and uh, I want to mention www.goodbones.com as uh, one source to go to as far as learning more about not only spaying and neutering, but just about homeless animals and what people can do. And I want to thank you, Dr. Paul, for being with us today. And thank you for having me on the show. I hope that I can help people this way because that has been my whole life, you know, helping people through helping their pets. Well, that's great because, I, you know, after watching you, it, it's really good to see someone so dedicated and, and work so hard. I mean, you're a man of 70 years old and you're out there literally um, helping roll cows over and, and uh, a lot of work and uh, incredible uh, stamina to be able to do that. Well, so thank again, you. thank you, doctor. And thank you, Mark Winter, our executive producer of Pet Life Radio, for making today's show possible. 
And we thank you for being with us today as far as our audience is concerned. And hope you can join us for the next episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, the unique show that introduces you to people who care about the animals around us and that surround us. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, saying goodbye until we meet again. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.